Okay, welcome to The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast. Nailed it. Uh, my name is Alex Caress. My name is Kelsey. And we are here to discuss our favorite movie musicals. Starting with... Starting with sound. The best one. The only one. The titular movie. <laughs> it's the titular role. Uh, sound of Music. So first, just uh, getting started, Kelsey, what um, what are your overall thoughts? What this, is your fir- your rating of it? I mean, I think this movie is perfect. Yeah. yeah I don't really know. I don't have a lot of criticisms. Me either. Uh, even though it, in its time, when it was released, critics were, it was very hit or miss. I think that, you know, like film critics... were not super into it. They said it was too uh, sentimental. Mm -hmm. And it is sentimental, but I I view that as a good thing. Yeah, I mean, in these these sorts of apocalyptic times, that kind of... Especially right now, yes. Mm -hmm. I do wonder... You know, I I first saw saw this movie when I was a child. I think it was the first musical I ever saw. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if... I would have different views on it as an adult, seeing it for the how long, first time. How long has it been since you've seen it, do you think? I mean, well, I watched it last week. Right, I mean, but before this. that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I hadn't seen it, like, all the way through for years. I think I saw it for the first time when I was six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those movies that you don't really remember a time before having seen it, you know? That's true. It's kind of always with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think that leads to my to my appreciation for it today, but um no, I think it's perfect. Yeah. A+. Plus. A++. Plus plus. You? Yeah. I would I would agree. I think yeah, it's there's so much like a part of of growing up just like seeing different scenes or different like little tactile things or even you know just the texture of things that it's just like brings back sort of a sense memory yes um of what what that felt like or where you were when you were a kid when you saw it you know yeah and i and i think i get something or i pick up on something new every time that i watch it oh yeah because the adult viewing experience even though it's uh, part of why i love it is that nostalgia factor you still uh, have a different viewing experience as an adult than you do as a kid. Yeah. For totally. example, as an adult, you realize there are Nazis in the movie, right. <laughs> which is something a lot of people forget about when right. they watch it as a as a child, or they just don't pick up on it. Right. Yeah, I feel like I I as a kid, I felt like I, I feel like I saw Max as more of a like a bad guy or something. I mean, I think I know that he's like kind of right comedic relief. He's neutral. Right. Yeah, his it, crime is apathy. Right, his uh, his fatal flaw is apathy for sure. So should we try and dive into like a, a as brief as we can of a recap? It's over three hours, right? So yeah, let's, <laughs> we'll let's, have to try and um, focus on the highlights, but we'll see. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive into a recap. Let's see what we what we come up with. So if you haven't watched the movie in a while or if you haven't seen it at all now would be the time to go watch it and pause it and come back to us um but we open with this majestic planet earth style shot of 
Phelps. Right. So, no, well, yeah, it starts with, it's just like clouds and like the whistling of the wind. It's like, and that's another thing, uh, you know, from being a kid that I remember so much. It's just, is like this sense of anticipation, you know, and the move and the music kind of comes in gradually with like little, little flute flourishes and stuff and it's just like i remember the anticipation of it starting being and that's not totally uh different from what julie andrews said about recording it um in her memoir she talks about one of the more difficult aspects of going from theater to film is that with theater you typically record the cast um or the cast recording you do the cast recording after the show is already run or at least like during the show when it's running. So she knows every single moment of when she's going to be on stage. Right. And how her voice is supposed to correspond to the actions. Mm-hmm. Whereas with filming a movie, they typically do the recording up front. You do all the songs first so you can right, l- so that, exactly, to it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And she, she was discussing how in Mary Poppins that was very difficult, not knowing the choreography and how out of breath she was going to be or wanted to appear to be. Right. And ran into some similar issues, not as many, but some similar issues with Sound of Music. But with this song, I mean, you can just tell. You right. can tell what the expression is supposed to be. You can tell exactly what she's going through because of that, you know, musical building, that anticipation right. it creates. Yeah. And you had mentioned something about this before, but how, like, this intro kind of introduces Austria as a, as a character. The, the fifth movie. girl. <laughs> in, in Sex and the City terms, it's the fifth girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Salzburg is to The Sound of Music as Manhattan is to Sex and the City. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's my um, dissertation. <laughs> in this essay, I will... <laughs> But yeah, so we open in Salzburg. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. In fact, the movie sets the scene with Salzburg, Austria, and the last golden days of the 30s. Right. Uh, which we all remember dearly. Right. The 30s? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. When Maria starts singing, you have this, like, what would now be considered a drone shot. Oh, sure. You know, zooming in on her, which... Although I think it was with a hel- a big well, drone. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> it would be at the time a helicopter speeding towards Julie Andrews on this mountain. I imagine that was pretty terrifying for her. Yeah, she notoriously had a bad time filming that. Like <laughs> literally got knocked over by the propellers into the mud over and over. That's a I would love to see some uh, bloopers, the blooper reel of that. <laughs> If the movie had ended with the credits rolling, <laughs> real. <laughs> All right, so we go to the Abbey. The nuns are doing their chant, which is just so beautiful. Gorgeous. Oh, I love it. I know. You can't really be nuns singing in Latin in a big cathedral. <laughs> cathedral. Cathedral. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the third movie. Just. <laughs> cathedral. Sister Act 3. The Cathedral. <laughs> But that's also it's a it's a interesting juxtaposition because you know where we left Maria was kind of her cathedral, you know. Oh, that's lovely. Right, and then you get come to the actual cathedral, which I like that. I guess at that point is she kind of came there to be set free, and it kind of became her prison a little bit. You know, later on in the movie, I I. I sort of get it 
But at the beginning of the movie, I'm watching it and I'm wondering, like, why do you want to be a nun? Right. This seems so opposite of you because, you know, she climbs a tree and scrapes her knee and right. her dress has always got a tear, right. so on and so forth. <laughs> She's always late for everything. <laughs> right. Except, <laughs> except for every for meal. meals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I wonder why she wants to be a nun. We don't get a ton of Maria backstory. No. I mean, I, th- is it, I mean maybe it's she's trying to self-correct because she Who assumes knows? that she needs needs structure because of how free-spirited she is. I, I could not tell you. So we're introduced to some nuns. We've got Sister Margareta and Sister Berta, who are kind of like the angel and the devil. <laughs> For nuns. Right. Uh, Margaret Margareta loves her. Sister Berta hates her. She doesn't hate her. No. She just is cautionary. Right. A clown. And very serious. Right. Or is she? Because she makes some moves uh-huh. at the end of the movie that are pretty amazing. Mother, I've sinned. <laughs> so then we go into A Problem Like Maria, the ultimate shade song. Right. So, you know, addressing all of the primary issues, the scraping of knees and climbing of trees and mm-hmm. whistling and singing without permission. Mm, singing without permission. Yikes. Mm-hmm. And that basically prompts Mother... Do they call her a reverend Reverend mother? mother. Reverend yeah. mother to, to call, call Maria into the office. And suggest in so many words, a rumspringer. Right. A walkabout. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, except you have to go nanny these children for free. Seven. Mm-hmm. Seven children. Right. It. I mean, that is a lot. So she gets the news that she has to go on this rumspringer to find herself, and so... She changes her clothes. She puts, she, <laughs> she puts on her best tweeds. It's bad. <laughs> she puts on her best tweeds that not even the poor wanted. The, the, no, that leather hat, the wide brimmed leather hat, that would mm-hmm. that would go over really well at brunch these days. Though you know what, her skin is beautiful. It right. works. Mm-hmm. It's that mountain air. <laughs> but so this is where they do. I have confidence. Right. And I think this is my favorite song. It's a really good song. I love this song. And you know what's very interesting about this song? What? Uh, This one was added to the movie. It was not in the musical Mm -hmm. stage production. And uh, Rogers did the lyrics on this one because Hammerstein had, or Hammerstein had passed, unfortunately. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the two songs that were so added Hammerstein to the movie. So Hammerstein never saw the movie. I don't think so. No, oh. he died and no, he didn't. He died in 1960. Interesting. Yeah, his final song ever was Edelweiss. Oh, I know. But no, so Rogers did both the music and lyrics for I Have Confidence, in my opinion, the best song in the movie. Great lyrics. Yeah, you know, I agree. She- she talks about how scared she is, about how she doesn't believe in herself, and she gets down, and then she builds herself back up and tells her tells herself that she can, she can do it. Yeah, and I know we've talked, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but um, my favorite stage musical is The Book of Mormon, 
and which I, i've never seen it's so good i wish that it were a movie because i want mm. you to see it and right now we don't go to big live productions of anything right um so <laughs> you know your options are limited unless you're a cardboard cutout right yeah but um <laughs> My one of my favorite songs, maybe my favorite song in Book of Mormon, I believe. I didn't catch it until watching Sound of Music this, you know, last week. That uh, I believe has a ton of references to I Have Confidence, and they're basically talking about the same thing. You know, it's two people who are struggling a little bit with their faith, uh, but choosing to say like, "No, I have confidence in myself. I have." faith in God. Are they both preparing go for, for like a mission trip of sorts? Yeah. So she's going, you know, to, to work for this family. And then in his case, he's, um, well, it's a little different. He's going to confront a warlord and try and get him to convert to Mormonism. Same thing. You know, <laughs> I think in her case, she's talking about like, um, a captain with seven children. What's so fearsome about that? And he says, a warlord who shoots people in the face. What's so scary about that? Right. You know, They're the same both difference. on, as she puts it, God's errand. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I can't wait to, as, as we go through all of these movies, to find out what other hidden musical references are in Book of Mormon that I just didn't catch because I was laughing the whole time. Maybe that'll be one of your one of your segments. Little pet project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's swinging her bags around. Who knows if there's anything in the bags. <laughs> There's nothing at all in the bags. (laughs) Maria's bags are to Sound of Music as coffee cups are to Gilmore Girls. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Just flailing them about. Even when they get there, this is something as a musician that I cringe at every time when she finds the frog in her pocket and just drops her guitar down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's not something I caught, but... Yeah, that absolutely happens. Because, <laughs> yeah, so that's after she's met the captain. Mm-hmm. They have a very embarrassing exchange, but also we find out that Maria is very funny and clever. Right. Yeah, there are more com- comedic moments from Maria that, than I remember. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, the line about, uh, like, first of all, he's inspecting her. And it's very gross. Right. Like, the turnaround. Yeah, like, turn around so I can see you. It's like, yeah, because I just watched Bombshell very, oh, yeah, very yeah, recently. Yeah. Talking about, that's like one of Roger Ailes' Ew. calling, or, calling well, it's cards. Not, it's not Roger Ailes in the movie, is it? Yeah. Oh, it is, never mind. Okay, yeah, you can all, say that. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> These aren't allegations. But yeah, one of his things is that he has, he is the turnaround thing. It's like, gross. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, and, and he asks her something about, uh, you know, where are your clothes? Where are your nicer clothes? And she's like, no, I gave them all to charity. And he asks, what about that dress? Oh, the poor didn't want this one. <laughs> it's pretty funny. She's, yeah, Julie Andrews has some good timing. Oh, and then he asks, uh, or he mentioned she's the 12th governess. And she says, well, what's the matter with the children? Right. <laughs> that so made me she's laugh. shady. I love it. And then we meet, we meet the kids. He whistles for them. He whistles for the children. <laughs> and they march out. And they, you know, stepping in line, announce themselves one by one. Mm-hmm. And Gretel is the cutest. It's funny to me how much she, you know, even in these first interactions, pushes back at him. Like, even in front of the children. You know? how, how can she not, though? Right. I, I well, because she says whistles are for dogs, but not for me. 
I know. Everyone gets a whistle except for him. Right. You Ugh. can call me Captain. Yeah. Well, then why not call the kids by their names? Uh, too complicated. Right. It's much simpler to remember these very intricate whistles. <laughs> but we learned some, some one-word things about the children. Friedrich says, I'm impossible. Kurt says, I'm incorrigible. Marta wants a pink parasol. And Gretel is almost a lady. And Gretel is five. <laughs> She's five. She's this many. She's adorable. <laughs> um, so they go to dinner. She guilt, trip, guilt trips them and they cry. Yeah, as a child, that scene always threw me for a loop. I never understood why they were crying so much. It, yeah, it still doesn't really it, I make know, sense. it's still a bit much. Like, you don't have to sob about it. Right. We get it. You are realizing in your heart you're a bad person. But right. you don't. I yeah, mean, you don't then, have to react like that. And that's when, you know, they kind of all take a pretty quick 180 on Maria. Right, because she doesn't rat them out. Right. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Big bonding moment. And as we find out later on, the captain knew. He's not a dummy. Right. And that's when he first on. fell in love with her was when she sat on the pine cone. And and oddly enough, she says, I first knew I loved you when you blew that ridiculous whistle. I'm like, what? The yeah, whistle? That doesn't make sense. The whistle does. Obviously they fell in love when in the scene with the kids singing and she sees him singing, you know, whatever. Right, because music saves everything. Mm -hmm. Anyway, then we move on to... 16 uh, going on 17. Uh, Rolf. Stupid Rolf. I freaking hate Rolf. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I didn't notice as a kid during this scene is all of the kind of like all of his veiled things about Nazi stuff. Like he can't talk about the telegrams. He's, he's very guarded about yes. what's going on. There is a lot of Nazi subtext going on there. Mm -hmm. The other thing I didn't pick up on as a kid is just how gross the entire message of 16 going on 17 is. Because mm -hmm. as a child, you're watching like, oh, Liesl is so pretty and she's falling in love and she's 16. And, you know, everything is beautiful and fun and happy when you're 16 and you've got that dress on. I know. And, and you're skipping around the gazebo. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still think the gazebo choreography is beautiful. It, and the dress is just so like, much fun. You just want to twirl. Yeah. But the lyrics are problematic for sure at least you know at least he's only a year older than her well and that's what makes it so gross to me because i i don't know i view rolf as everything he says and sings he's very sincere about it yeah i think he genuinely believes like i am so much better like just smarter and mm -hmm. quote-unquote older than mm -hmm. you let me guide you. But I think that's kind of supposed to be the humor of it. Like, he's basically just as young as, as she is, but they're, I like, know. they're role-playing this, this thing where he's... But she also just sort of, like, to me, I watch it, and I think she's starting out very confident and very, you know, she's really into him, and she's not afraid to hide it. Yeah. But by the end of this song... She knows song, what she wants. She's saying, you're right. You're right. I don't know anything. You know better. I'll just depend on you. Mm-hmm. Even then, and then she isn't. She's the one who initiates the kiss, right? She um, she kisses him. Yeah, it's it's a really quick like what, and then he gets this look on his face and runs away. Mm -hmm. I think, and she screams. <laughs> she goes wee. <laughs> 
as you do. Which will never not be funny. As one does. You know, I could see why critics weren't crazy about the movie when it first came out. Your life, little girl, is an empty page that men will want to write you on. You shut up. Oh, just like on Game of Thrones. What? Oh, you never finished Game of Thrones. Was this in the last two seasons? Yeah, it's... Oh, okay. uh, never mind. Does someone have a woman someone, page? Some, no, it's a man page, but there's literally an empty page where a <laughs> character in the last episode is writing down um, a story about him. I see. So we go back up to Maria's room and Frau Favorite things. Frau Schmidt. Mm-hmm. She, she's got some shade. I know. She I know. Has she's some shade. like yeah, she's like a true a true uh tea spiller here. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't wanna say anything, but I'm gonna tell you that the Baroness is here quite a bit. She's here to stake her claim mm-hmm. and she hates children. Right. And um, um we Wet Liesel comes in. Right, she sneaks in. I know I said I didn't need need a governess, but maybe I do. It also blows my mind the way she sneaks in, like, oh, if I just tiptoe quietly, she won't notice a sopping wet person <laughs> climbing through the window. But that that part's funny. Oh, and I also like when she when Maria's saying her prayers, she can't remember all of the kids' names. Kurt. In yeah, particular. God bless what's his name. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but so all the kids get scared of the thunderstorm. And of Fun course, fact, it did rain a lot during filming. No one bothered to look up the weather before they got to Salzburg. Interesting, because it always looks so beautiful. Yeah, they no, it wasn't most days. Interesting. But I think a lot of, I mean, the interiors, a lot of the interiors were shot on a soundstage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At Fox Studios. So that scene, for all I know, was Studio probably. City. Sure. So we got my favorite things, which I want to talk about how, how did my favorite, did you, I don't know if you did any research on this, but I didn't. How did my favorite things become a Christmas song? Oh, that's a good question. It doesn't make sense contextually. I think, um, I don't know. Brown paper packages maybe evokes. Right, snowflakes. Snowflakes on uh, whiskers? No, snowflakes on on eyelashes. Snowflakes on eyelashes, whiskers on kittens. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know how it became a Christmas song, and I don't know that it is definitively... But it always is on the Christmas stations. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Yeah, but I think it is a controversial <laughs> Christmas. Day. Right. The captain shows up, shuts everything down, mm-hmm. and reestablishes this is a house without laughter or music. Right. None Establishes of it. that. Right. He. It reminds him of his dead wife. I'm yes. Guessing. She always threw the parties, which is why. He wanted the ballroom to stay closed. Right. He, yeah. I will say, Moratorium. she shouldn't have been snooping around. That's true. That was weird. But that he's a bit rude. over the top. She, she also, doesn't have any social graces, you know. It was around this scene that it occurred to me, um, because I've been watching, I've been watching The Vow. Same. And uh, when I don't have a new episode of The Vow, I watch Leah Remini's Scientology show. Scientology and the aftermath. And it was around this point in time in the movie that I realized the captain would love Scientology. So why? Why? Because in Scientology, the children are not children. They are old souls in tiny bodies. Right. 
they are adults. They should be treated as adults. They're, you know, put them, them in the Sea Org. Yeah, the sea Org. Let them march around and respond to whistles. Right. No, no laughter mm-hmm. or music. None of that nonsense. That's for children. Yeah. He that and the don't Baroness exist. would probably get into Scientology together. I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Except I like the Baroness. Well, I'm pretty. Yeah. We'll get to her. I like, yeah, I, I like her too. We're moving yeah. on. I'm moving on. She asked for the curtains, and he just says like. No, oh wait, I don't know if she asked for them yet, but she gets her idea. No, I'm she asked curtain for, clothes. Right. Um, she because she wants um, earlier. She wanted play clothes. She, yeah, and she wanted fabric to make them play clothes. And he said, right, right. But then she wraps herself in the curtains, and you're like, uh oh. Because Frau Maria's. Schmidt tells her that they're redoing. They're mm-hmm. like going to redo her bedroom for her. Yeah, you can tell she's she's thinking. The wheels are turning, and so the next scene is them going out. On the town. And matching curtain curtain clothes. clothes. Right. Yeah. And this is when I realized the kids definitely have no other friends. No. Because we've got 16-year-old Liesl running around. With Rolf. (laughs) Her only friend is the telegram (laughs) boy. Not even. Rolf's not even there. I'm just saying, like, we've got a 16-year-old Liesl, and then the age range is all the way down to five, and they're all dressed the same way. Right. None of them look remotely embarrassed about it. Right. They're just so thrilled to be, as the captain would say, traipsing about. <laughs> and they're, there's something about their curtain clothes. It's kind of like kind of like Destiny's Child. They're all the same, yes. but a little bit different. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I think it's Brigitte or Louisa. No, it's Louisa gets her gets her own little kerchief on her head. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are in pants. Some of them are in skirts. We got a lot got of lederhosen. lederhosen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they do the the do re mi. Uh, they do some really good bike choreography. Right. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the captain returns. With the Baroness. Oh, and sees them playing in the trees. And Max, and yes, refers to them as, oh, just local urchins. Local urchins. <laughs> My God. Oh, but they did mention something when they're in their picnic about, you know, about how other governesses had left. And apparently, this is, this is pretty horrific. They put glue on her toothbrush. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they did. And she asked them, you know, what could make children as good as you resort to these types of things? And Liesl responds, well, how else do we get Father to pay attention to us? Yeah, it's a little on the nose. I I know, I remember thinking, like, how (laughs) self-aware. It's very good for you, Liesl. It's like, I'm going to write in some exposition here. (laughs) So, yeah, the captain's back. Max is in town, I guess. Max is kind of like... I mean, obviously he's, you know, an old friend of the family, but his relationship with the Baroness, he kind of seems like her, her like, best gay friend. Like, he, he always wants the tea, they're always spilling, he wants to know about the money, he's, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's an interesting point. They don't establish why... Uncle Max is the perpetual bachelor type. Right. And he but kind is of that lives not vi- what that meant? Right. Know? He lives vicariously through their relationships mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, he's like, what else am I going to do? So, yeah, he doesn't really. They never explain his relation to the family. Yeah, I don't think. Just like he's just. Being a friend. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. And this is what, speaking of Max, this is when 
I guess Rolf comes with another telegram, and they're talking about Nazi stuff. <laughs> and Max says that he has no political invic- convictions, and he says, we can't help it. And that's when the captain says, we have to help it. Yeah. So at this, wait, have the children shown up in, in the boat yet at oh, this yeah. point? No, not yet. They're about to. This yeah. Is after, okay, so they've just arrived back at yeah, the after this conversation estate. is when that happens. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, um, so they arrive in the boat. They fall in the water. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Gretel, she was, I think she was seven when they were filming, but she couldn't swim. <gasps> and so they you know, staged the shot and Julie Andrews was supposed to catch Gretel when they all fell and she fell the opposite way. They did it twice. The first time she caught her, the second time she didn't catch her. And she just said, you know, I've never swum harder in my life. And um, I think it was Louisa wound up rescuing Gretel and then Gretel threw up all over her. And (laughs) she says we doted on her for the rest of the day, but she was a very good sport. Yeah, and and it all worked out okay. And this is when Maria and the captain get in a pretty big fight. Yeah, yeah, huge fight. It's great. Uh huh. And and it's not long after that that the kids start singing and the captain is overcome right. with the sound of music. It's the titular role. Yeah. And um yeah, he starts singing along. I He can't in my notes I have an all caps crying. Yeah, for a man that hates music, he is very quickly over one. Right, and this is like, I I mean, I guess I had forgotten how quickly everybody does a 180. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like immediately on board. Yeah, there's not a lot of... um, Not a lot of convincing. mm -mm, Not a lot of, like, inner turmoil. And he he actually apologizes, which I didn't remember... That he says, he says, I apologize and asks her to stay. He does a lot of apologizing in this movie and it makes him all that much better. Right. Yeah. Real men apologize. So are we at, we're, at lonely we're not go- quite at intermission yet. We're at Lonely Goat Herd. Oh my gosh, I hate this song. I mean, it's fun. I, lo- I always, <laughs> oh, I, I wanted to, it made me want a puppet theater in the house. Did it? Yeah, I even made one, I think myself out of a, uh. Like a big cardboard box. I I just I hate puppet. I like Muppets. Mm-hmm. They're very different from puppets. And there's actually even some Muppets that I do not care for. You like you like puppets. You don't like marionettes. I'm gonna say. Um, I'm gonna say I specifically like Muppets. <laughs> you like Muppets with a couple exceptions. And you are correct, I do not care for marionettes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they are creepy, and I'm not a fan. My only note, really, about this one is LOL Gwen Stefani. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, I don't know, in the early 2000s, she really wanted to sample a lot of classic musicals. She yeah, did she'd... Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, I remember Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> um, I had forgotten about the Lonely Goat Herd. I think it's called Wind It Up. <laughs> it's like, wind it up. That's um, <laughs> pretty. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. You know, by the way, they the children are actually doing the marionettes really? in that scene. Yeah, they learned how to do it. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I just, that seems like a lot. Y'all, I mean, they could have subbed in some. And they have real, real, real foam on the beer. Oh, yeah, because it blows. Uh Yeah, it blows off. Yeah. So then they decide to sing a little bit more and and they convince the captain to sing Edelweiss, 
which is when uh, the Baroness notices the connection yeah. between Maria yeah. and the Captain. No, there's no denying it. Maria and Georg. The Baroness is very intuitive. She is. She picks up on these things. Uh-huh. And something that I wanted to mention about, because the, they have this conversation uh, before the kids show back up, she and the captain do, and it seems like their connection is real. Oh, absolutely, they, yeah. And they have this really cute, flirty banter. He has fun with her when he's staying with her. It's right. when she comes to Salzburg that... You know, she's just not clicking the right. same way that he clicks in right. her world. But he calls her his savior. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was, I thought that was a little dramatic. Right. But what I'm saying is that we're not really giving the Baroness enough credit for, for also bringing him out of his shell in other ways that Maria didn't. I think that's true. I think the Baroness has, a like, the writers tried so hard to make her... I don't want to say a villain, but the, I mean, kind of, kind of a villain. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd say second to the Nazis. <laughs> She's the closest thing to a villain. Right. Well, he is a Nazi. I, right. He counts. She's a villain in Spoiler the sense. Spoiler alert. She's a villain in the sense that she's an obstacle in the movie. Yes. Or is she? So, so then we move do, to the party. Yeah, they do the party. And basically at the party, they have the weirdest child performance <laughs> of all time <laughs> i mean it's great uh, it's a classic but i just i can't watch that scene without thinking what would i do mm-hmm. if i was at a party with my friends mm-hmm. and their children came out to perform a good night number <laughs> i would probably go pee or go to the bar step outside for a cigarette yeah like pick up i'd pick up smoking again <laughs> Like, ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my 30. lift is here. Ow, my period. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse ever. Um, but at this party, they just respond. They they sing back. Goodbye. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. But in this party, we were, we're also kind of introduced to the main Nazi villain. Oh, yeah. Herr Zeller. Herr Zeller. And then we also get, I would say... The Baroness's, if, if she does have a bad moment, yeah, this, this is, is her worst. Yeah, this is her most villainous moment. Because most of the other bad stuff that she, not even bad, most of the other bad stuff that she does, like, you can kind of see her motivation. Mm-hmm. But this, Although she's, I'd she's say very you can, honest You with can Maria. see it in this scene, too. Right. She has a way of delivering what are very clear facts and, like, this very, like, sneaky sort of... Mm-hmm. Why don't you wear that blue dress he couldn't take his <laughs> yeah, eyes she off? she just delivers it in this way that sounds sinister. Uh-huh. And she doesn't try... And Maria's like, I've got to go. And she's like, can I help? <laughs> <laughs> Let me help you back. Yeah, and then Maria just straight up runs off. Like, uh-huh. oh, you're right. He looked at me a funny way. Better go. Uh-huh. Gotta get back. You ASAP. blushed in his arms. And this is enough to force Maria into complete seclusion. Right. She packs her stuff, she leaves a note, she leaves the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is when you switch your VHS tapes if you are a kid at home on a sick day. You didn't watch this on VHS, did you? Uh, yeah. Did you really? Where did you watch it? Disney Plus. Oh no, I mean <laughs> 
when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But there's actually, this is something I still haven't, I still haven't listened to, but apparently there is this, uh, this American Life episode about this girl who like only had the first oh, VHS yeah, only tape. Had the first one. <laughs> she, so she thought it ended with I did have Maria that thought. Like, what if the movie just ended here? That would <laughs> suck. Such That's a bummer. But it doesn't. We open back up with literally the saddest game of ball I've ever seen. I'm not even really sure what they're playing. They're just like throwing a medicine ball at each other. I think it's kind of... Did you ever play that game Zoom? Oh, you're like... <laughs> That's a current game. Right. But it's kind of kind of... Everyone has a number and you have... Like you say the number of the next person you're going to. Yeah. And no. you have to... So you have to remember everyone's numbers. Anyway, it's not important. What is important is how hard Liesl throws the the ball at the Baroness. <laughs> and <laughs> like she's trying to injure her. It's very funny. She's also wearing, you know, beautiful, a beautiful dress and heels. I would struggle too. Right? Mm-hmm. They didn't really have. Oh, her, I guess this is why bow. you need play clothes. Exactly. So then Max invites her to drink some adult lemonade. <laughs> Which is something spiked that, with lemonade, right? I didn't pick that pick up on that as a kid. It's pink lemonade spiked with lemonade. And then um, they uh, oh, the news of the engagement. Yeah, do they do the engagement news or the saddest hills are alive song first? Um, it I don't think it matters. It they sing matter. a very sad rendition of the hills are alive, mm-hmm. and then either that or around the same time. Uh, he makes the engagement announcement. And then we've got... The Austrian kissing ritual. <laughs> the Austrian kissing ritual. <laughs> and they just silently kiss her one at all... a time on the cheek. Yeah, and there's, then, no, like, there's no discussion about it. They're just like, oh, this is when we kiss Kurt her. And Kurt oddly lingers. <laughs> and I think it's supposed to be implied that he... he is he whispering something? I don't know. I mean, what is he doing? Something or, it's, or it's just like implied that he's like being creep. It's so strange because he just stands there a little too long until and the captain has to tell him. It's like, stop. okay, get out of here. But what was he doing? I don't know. He's <laughs> being creepy. It's really weird. So the kids um, go to go to the abbey to try to talk to Maria, but she's in seclusion. Margareta sends them away. Right. Um, the kids go looking for her, and uh, one of my favorite lines is Gretel. I want to show her my finger. All right, she's got the little it's bandage on too her too cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Maria's in seclusion. She won't even see the children, or they don't tell her the children are there. I assume that they. She they goes do. to see Reverend Mother, and this is where Reverend Mother and my she's basically like the cool pope, right? Because she tells her you have to go to him, and she does so in song, right? With climb every mountain, mm-hmm. you have to. Do everything to figure out what it is that you want to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that message. I do, too. I'm a big fan. Although, did you know that's not her voice? Really? Yeah, isn't that's, that interesting? Yeah. yeah. She's good at, at miming it. Um, it's also not the captain's voice. I, I kind of assumed that, though. I didn't think that Christopher I Plummer think would have been. the voice they found, though, sounds like Christopher Plummer's talking voice. Mm-hmm. They did a very good job matching it. Yeah, I mean, it, that, I feel like, yeah, they did a good job of that back then. Like, even whoever did 
Audrey Hepburn's voice in My Fair Lady. Like, it actually sounds like her tone of voice, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but when we come into we come into her uh, the Reverend Mother's office, we see this new nun that is just joining oh, the Oh, the Abbey. new postulant, the, yes. And she's wearing this dress. Postulate. She's wearing this dress that I'm she's going to give up all of her worldly things, so she donates this dress. Uh-huh. Or she, like, gives up her clothes when she oh, joins the Abbey. Oh, is that the dress? It's the dress that Maria Stop. shows up in. Stop. I never caught yeah. that. Oh, I love that. Right? That's fantastic. And it's the same kind of thing that happens when Frau Schmidt gives her the um, bolts of fabric. Uh-huh. She, you can see, like, in the outfits that she's wearing during Doe No, Deer that's really good. Uh, are from that That's fabric. a really good detail. I mm-hmm. never noticed that. I love that. I think we, after that, we pick back up at home, uh, and then she shows back up. Right. And also, I I really loved the scene where the kids are lying about what they've been doing. Right. We were picking thousands of berries. They were, they were blueberries. Thousands? Were bl- well, where are they? <laughs> we, we ate, ate them. them. I guess you don't want dinner. That's impressive. Yeah, and at first he says blueberries. Mm, blueberries aren't in season. Oh, Right. Uh, there were strawberries. It's like, are y'all dumb? <laughs> and Friedrich says one of my favorite lines. He says, well, it's been so cold lately, they turned blue. <laughs> <laughs> and he also gives this look after he says it like that was the stupidest fucking thing I've ever said. Yeah. I mean, it's it's obvious that they know their lie is bad, but it, uh, still, it's <laughs> remarkably bad. <laughs> Again, this is another one of those moments where I can understand why critics weren't thrilled with the movie when it first came out. Because how can you watch that scene and take it seriously? But I think it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be funny, but it's also still like, not the best actor. (laughs) So So she shows back up up. in the dress. Mm -hmm. We all gasp. And Gretel finally gets to tell her about her finger. She said it got caught. Yeah, that was very cute. Where? Friedrich's teeth. Oh, right. That's the, where the, her, her finger, finger got, got caught. Yeah. And, yeah. It's like, Friedrich, how old are you? She's five. <laughs> right. He's like the one of the oldest. Give me a break. Yeah. Biting fingers. That's awful. <laughs> he's kind of, yeah. He's, Friedrich's a weirdo. All of the children. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. They don't have outside friends. <laughs> They're clearly homeschooled. It's been so cold lately. They turn. No, no blue. offense to our. <laughs> so Maria finds listeners. out. Maria finds out about the engagement, um, and so and she's obviously heartbroken because the reason she came back was to decide whether or not she was going to be with the captain. And so they they say, "Oh, are you back forever?" And she says, "Only until other arrangements can be made." And then I think we cut to. More or less, we cut to. In my notes, we cut to. <laughs> she's in a very her her one really nice dress. She's in the dress that that. And yeah. I wonder if this is intentional because uh, the Baroness had already told her how much the the captain had looked at her. How? Oh, how I he, bet that is intentional. So she was like, Since, well, as the you've captain, already pointed out, there were good. Costume continuity. Yeah, there is good attention to detail uh-huh. there. So she is like putting on this dress because she's like, this is the one he likes me in. I'm going to put it on. Also could have been the only one. Right. Yeah. Kind of her only nice dress. Yeah. So she is out there by the gate just looking or at... Or by the lake, I think. 
Yeah. Either way, yeah, the lake is by the gate. Yeah. Correct. And the captain's just kind of, like, standing on the balcony looking mm-hmm. at her. And then Eleanor comes out. Elsa. Elsa. I always want to call her Eleanor. I don't know why. Elsa, not from Frozen. <laughs> right. Uh, Elsa the Baroness comes out, and she can tell immediately mm-hmm. what he's doing. And at first, at first she tries to talk to him about just kind of, like, mundane stuff she's like the wedding this or whatever and then he says elsa elsa and she, listen well i don't i see i don't think it's mundane i think that she's immediate like she knows immediately what's going on so she directs the conversation to something about them right like she's really trying hard to rein him well yeah in. not mundane stuff but like you know bring him back to her her relationship to, the, to their relationship yes their relationship and, and he stops her mid-thought it says, you know, Elsa, Elsa, it's no use. It's and, no use, And she yeah. immediately puts it on her terms. She's like, you know what? It was never going to work well, out. Well, this is my favorite scene between the two of them. Yeah. I think it's the nicest scene between the two of them because mm-hmm. he very graciously lets her take the the lead, quote unquote. In the breakup. In the breakup, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, he lets her maintain her dignity Right. And and let her be the one to end it. I mean, they both know. Because all he really says is it's no use. And yeah. She, and she and, just picks right up. Right. And she knows that he knows and he knows that she knows. But it's right. just an unspoken, polite mm-hmm. way to end things. And she encourages him to right. really go says, for it. After yeah. she says she's going to pack her little bags. Yeah. I mean, she the says, Baroness is cool. I think there's a, a young lady out there that... Will never be a nun. And she she doesn't cry in front of him. Mm-hmm. She takes her yeah. I I really love her in this scene. Um she puts up a good fight, you know. Right. And then she's a good sport when she doesn't ultimately win the day. Mm-hmm. And on reflection, I don't know that she does anything that I wouldn't do. No, I mean she obviously they obviously have a connection. They have what I think is a pretty Yeah. It's it's just a relationship. Elsa is not works. really a mother type, right. which is tough when you have seven, seven kids. children. Right, right, and she learns that when she goes out to see him. Right, and and she comments too when they first get there about how he just seems so at home. Mm-hmm. You know, she's seeing him in a different light in Salzburg Rather than, than her she saw in culture. what is it Vienna where right. she lives. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that she's very respectful of his situation. And she's not catty about it. She doesn't try and no, she, sabotage she anything. she bows away gracefully. Right. And, and, and when she first beautiful... gets there, she's just, you know, she sees a woman who <laughs> she thinks is in love with her significant other. And right. so she she's tries already, to get rid of her. Right. But, she's already in a relationship I with I mean, him. who wouldn't? Right. Who wouldn't? Right. Yeah. I would be threatened by Julie Andrews as well. Especially for obvious reasons. Especially if she had something that was so important that the Baroness didn't have, which is this sort of innate ability to relate to children. Absolutely. Um, but she is wearing that beautiful red dress with the black beading. It's Yeah, she always looks good. Gorgeous. And so then um we moved to the gazebo. I think, yeah, we moved to the gazebo. And the, I called it the is, lover's gazebo. Okay, so this is, for me, when the, the captain is at his most charming. Mm-hmm. When he says, hello, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's cute. Like, it's the first time you really catch him uh, relaxed. And he asks a question. He asks two questions. He, asks, uh, he says, I have two questions. And he knows the answer. Mm-hmm. But he says, why did you run away? <laughs> and why did you come back? So she asks him, well, what about the Baroness? And he says, there isn't going to be any Baroness. Which is a weird way of phrasing it. Right. But- you know, because she still exists. Right. <laughs> just not in his life. Um, but this is when we go into the second song that was added for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second song that did not have contribution from uh, Hammerstein. So was this... I wonder if... I don't know if they did this kind of thing back then. But these days, like, whenever they make a movie version of a musical that already exists they're always going to add a new song for the movie and it's pretty much to win the oscar to win the oscar for best, best original yes, song yes absolutely so i wonder if that was the case with this well so i i can't say that definitively and that's a good question that i wish i had the answer to mm-hmm. um except i don't think they won a best number i'm pretty positive they won best director and they won best picture mm-hmm but I don't believe they won any other ones. That okay. That's not to say they weren't nominated. Yeah. They, they, um, I mean, if they wrote a song for the movie, they were probably nominated. Well, and I'd be curious to know where they nominated for I Have Confidence or for this one mm-hmm. or for both, which isn't unheard of. Right. I, I imagine it would be this one because it was kind of like the love theme. It was a little I'm bit more... crazy about this one. This is one that, as a kid, I hated. Like, I always... Like, the kissing and the whatever uh-huh. made, me, made me uncomfortable. <laughs> the kissing, ew. Ew, The kissing made me uncomfortable as a kid. What's funny is it made her uncomfortable, too. Like, she she said in her memoir that she, like, giggled a lot during the filming of this. Do, he, they do a lot of, like, it's very intimate, the kissing that they're doing. Like, kind well, of, like, kissing each other's faces and What I love is places. there is a lot of intimacy, but there's very little actual... Uh, Physical contact. Right. They're just very close. They're very close. Their and faces are... I think they touch lips once or twice. Mm-hmm. But other than that, the romance between the two of them is very non-physical. And this is something... Um, I have a little bit of uh, historical tidbits uh, that I'll get to later on after we uh, are done with the recap. But the Maria said in her memoir, that she wasn't in love with the captain. Oh, the real Maria. The real, Yeah, the real Maria von Trapp. Oh, way to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, he married her because she was so good with the kids. And oh, that. that's such a bummer. And, but they eventually fell in love, and she said that it was the greatest love that she ever had. Oh, good. I mean, I guess, like, that's not super uncommon yeah. for marriages back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even today. I don't know. Um, but I think especially back then, you married more out of... To find a new mother. I think it was maybe more, yeah, more about real partnership than mm-hmm. about love. Yeah. But something about this scene that I think happens a lot in their relationship, um, whenever they're having, like, a connection moment. I guess this happens with the Baroness, too. Like, <laughs> all of a sudden, there's this, like, fuzzy filter on the camera. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I wrote down about this filter. Why is the lighting so soft? Like 
it, yeah, it's like they have to signal to us this is a romantic moment. This is a love scene. We can tell. We've got sparkly eyes and fuzzy filter. And to think that Julie Andrews doesn't look absolutely like just porcelain skin perfection without the that yeah super duper soft lighting mm-hmm. is absurd. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they re- insist on the soft lighting because yeah. it's very, in my opinion, distracting. They, they do also... it during the dance. They do it during this scene. They do mm-hmm. it. I can't remember the first time they do it, but it's too much. It's when he's singing uh, Edelweiss. Yes. And yeah. they're looking at each other when the Baroness is noticing. Yeah, and it's very distracting. But something about the direction that I think happens in this scene and that happens a lot in Climb Every Mountain, I think, as well. The way that they play with, like, light and shadow and silhouette. It's really cool. Like, the entire, like, last part of this song is entirely silhouette with the... They're, like, back. They're lit from behind. Yeah, they did that on purpose. It had something to do with Julie Andrews just sort of... um, Well, not just her. She and Christopher Plummer were both sort of um, laughing with each other the whole time. Yeah, because their faces had to be two inches apart. So close together. Yeah. I mean, it was a great um, choice. It ended up being like a really cool shot. If it had been a choice, I would have thought that it was a good choice. Yeah, it was unintentional. It worked for the best. And then we have the wedding. (laughs) The wedding, (laughs) which is... Okay, so, so why, why, so many. why is the wedding song, How Do You Solve a Problem? I know, because the direct <laughs> message is not, I mean, is it or is it not like, you get her married? Yeah, you get her married. Yikes. Mm-hmm. And why are the nuns forced to watch it from behind the closed gates? I was wondering the same thing. I thought it was like a Catholic thing that you'd be able to tell me about. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I was raised Catholic, but we didn't have nuns. Well, you know more than me. I, we didn't. We definitely didn't have nuns in cages at the wedding. <laughs> you mean nuns were allowed to attend all the weddings you went to as a child? I mean, I don't get it because those are her friends. I know. Yeah, and like then her I only also friends. wonder how many people in that crowd, that massive crowd, knew her. Yeah, knew her. I my guess is zero. Right. And where are her parents? Right. We don't know anything about her. I know. They very the movie very conveniently just sort of forgets about Maria's parents. Uh-huh. Well, anything about her past. And then also the the dead wife. Right. Cuz uh, that's I noticed that when Liesel and she do sort of their redemption 16 going on 17 song. Mhm. Redemption mm, in quotes. But uh that's when Liesel calls her the mother. Reprise. Yeah, that's when Liesel calls her mother, and I'm just I thinking, like, calling like you mother. your mom died less than five years. I mean, maybe five years ago exactly, because that's how old Gretel is. Right. We don't know how she died, but we can assume the, you know, she's been around, uh, or she's been dead for five years minimum. Right. Absolute minimum. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, I'm going to call you mother now. Yeah. Screw it. I like calling you mother. It, it just seems quick. It seems quick. <laughs> but for the story's sake, we don't need dead parents at right. all. Or, yeah, you you want to, they want you to be invested in the Maria and the captain's relationship, not in their pasts, really. Last thing about the wedding, mm-hmm. that wedding dress. Mm. Beautiful. So nice. Uh-huh. Julie Andrews agrees 
says to this day it is one of the best costumes she has ever worn. It's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Um, so then we come to okay. So the so Maria and the captain are on their honeymoon. Max is practicing with the kids at the amphitheater. And Zeller shows up. Zeller shows up. With his Hal Hitlers and uh-huh. shit. And this Gross. is another instance where we kind of see Max's hesitation with Nazi stuff, but also his he just goes along with it. Albeit, albeit that, uncomfortably. Yeah, I think in that scene he's just trying to maintain the peace for the children. Right. I, I do attribute his earlier positions to more, um, you know, just being apathetic. Um, I mean, he, it's a, in a, it's a self a self preserving thing that he's doing. yeah self preservation. But the, in this scene, I mean, he is standing there with all the children. What mm-hmm. is he supposed to do? Right. You know, he doesn't want to tell them like, oh yeah, no, we're Nazis now. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't also want to get arrested. But I think this is what when people say that like fascist regimes rise is people who are just who are apathetic people yeah 100 percent. but max does semi-redeem himself he helps fully yeah he helps yeah later on basically uh zeller shows up to the rehearsal Mm -hmm. with max and the kids and the kids are really confused and i think one of them asks why is he so mad and then max says well "Well, everyone's everyone's crossed crossed these days days, which i think we can all relate to right exactly yeah and then oh, um, and Gretel says maybe the flag with the black spider makes father nervous. Makes people nervous. Yeah, makes people nervous. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then Ralph. Oh yeah, Liesel sees Rolf again. Freaking Rolf. And she's like, "Are you going to bring me a telegram?" Like she's flirting, and he's very seriously a Nazi now. Yeah, he is not having it. Mm-hmm. He's not there for nonsense. No flirting. He's a grown up. In my notes, it says Rolf very serious with Liesel about Naziing. Uh, my notes say, enter Rolf, freaking D-bag. <laughs> um, and then the captain gets home and makes it very clear that he is not having it with either the Nazi takeover or singing in public. Or the flag. He rips up the flag. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down, there should be a gif, a, a gif, a gif. There should be a gif of this. It's yeah. gif, but I like gif. I like gif because it's... Yeah, anyway. Less stupid. Yeah. So, yeah, he he doesn't agree with Nazi... With Nazi. <laughs> he doesn't agree <laughs> with, with Max. He doesn't agree with Max signing them up for the for the folk festival. So they decide that they're going to leave. They decide that they are going to escape that night because right. he's well, supposed to... Right, well, because Zeller shows up... Or no, the... Uh, excuse me. Rolf shows up with the telegram saying, right. you got to come join our Navy you have to, now. Yeah, you have to accept your position tomorrow today yeah immediately yeah you have to go yeah you have to go meet at the airport whatever base it is tomorrow and then all of a sudden he's like okay maybe we do sing in public well not until so they're trying to escape oh right and zeller catches them right they're pushing the car out and max is helping them so that this is a redemptive moment for max one and when they actually do escape it is as well right yeah um, so they're and they they said that they didn't tell any of the staff that they were leaving because they it would if they don't know anything then they don't what know anything. What is with the butler? I had a note about this as well. Franz is looking at them. Why very... did they even cut two? Because I don't think he rats anybody out. And right, but they are waiting for for them when they leave the house. I don't, is that what that's supposed to imply? I don't know. It's very he he's looking at them in a very particular yeah. way. Yeah, I mean it, it's clear that the shot to the butler is supposed to imply something, but for me the timing 
doesn't make it clear that the butler is the one that may have ratted them out to Zeller. Right. I just assumed that was based upon the fact that Zeller was paying attention. Right. You know, to the fact that the kids were practicing for the festival and so on and so forth. So here's here maybe maybe this is it. So because they they make a point of saying that they didn't tell the staff. Right. But Franz is looking at them in the way in this way that he knows. Yeah. He's not surprised that they're leaving. Yeah. So maybe he did know and he is the one that ratted them out and that's why Zeller is waiting. Maybe. I I don't know. Who knows? Because there's not any, like, there's no conclusion there. Right. They don't, yeah, they don't explain it. But who knows? Anyway. It's in there for a reason. So uh, they say the car is broken down. (laughs) Sure enough, it's not. Sure. Nope, it's not. They ask why they're wearing traveling clothes. And Maria says, "Uh, it's our costumes for the folk festival. That's where we're going. Why not? Um, So they go to the folk festival. Yeah, well, Zella allows them to go to the folk festival with, to with prove that nothing has changed. Right. They get there, they sing jam and bread over and over and over. Yeah, this is, yeah, I had... <laughs> I just wrote down, jam and bread, lol. They, yeah, they have this <laughs> this new version of uh, Doe a Deer with... Jam and bread. With the jam and bread remix. Ton of jam and bread. <laughs> and then, um, okay, so this is a moment I really like. Basically... Uh, when the captain comes up to sing Edelweiss and then the whole crowd sings along <gasps> with him. I mean, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we'll overlook for for musical movie magic moments. We overlook the fact that there's no reason why the entire crowd should know this song. But in the actual filming of it, <laughs> this is what's very funny to me. The producers, for some reason, thought that this audience of Austrian actor extras would all know the lyrics to Edelweiss. Mm-hmm. I always assumed that they it did was, not. <laughs> because isn't Edelweiss is like the national flower of Austria, is that right? I think I don't know. I don't I always just assumed it was like not necessarily their not their national anthem, but like a song that like a country Well, I think that it has sort of taken on a national significance since this movie came out. Right. But at the time that they were filming it, there was only the stage musical Sound of Music that had been running for a few years. Right. But not, it's not like Cats or anything. It's not like 20 years old. Um, I don't know why I reference Cats. We could reference just as many other good musicals. (laughs) But, um... They just, the producers assumed that this Austrian audience would all know the lyrics to Edelweiss. So they had to, like, teach to them first. Yeah, because yeah. of course they don't. Like, yeah. it's a song that was written by yeah, I just Hammerstein, that, like, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, like, as a kid, I assumed that it was, like, their national song or something. I, th- I Yeah, again, I don't know exactly uh, where it stands today. And I, I do think it has taken on some, like, you know, national significance. Yeah. But at the time... No. And I just think it's so funny that they all assumed, like, oh, yeah, they're going to know this, quote, unquote, (laughs) Austrian folk song. It's it's not. It was written three years ago. So the captain is overcome with emotion while singing it. So Maria first comes out to help him, and then the crowd crowd joins joins in to help him. It is a lovely moment. And so then they do the abridged goodbye song, So Long Farewell. And, um, yeah, and then Max basically just gives them enough time to scurry off stage and then announce... And Fräulein Schweiger 
Yeah, helps start them announcing too. the nope. the winners. Yeah, they do have a very nice moment of comedic relief there with, with her the winning the third prize. Right. Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that a lot. It cuts the tension. Yeah, and then the uh, the Toby Riser Quintet wins second place, and then. The Von Trapp family singers and, the, and you know, got the spotlight to the tunnel. Uh-oh. Where'd they go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've escaped. And the first place the Nazis check is the Abbey, it seems like. I think so, yes. Which I'm, I, I guess they just assumed. I think the Abbey was kind of like on the way back to the house. Around I, the I'm sure they assumed they're not hiding out of the house. Right. And the searching for the family at the Abbey is a stressful scene. Very stressful. Very, very stressful. But also, oh my gosh, oh, the these nuns. nuns. These nuns. Oh my God, these nuns. First of all, slowly. Yeah, she's running to the door slowly. Yeah, cooling her jumps mm-hmm. as slow as possible. Um, and then, of course, at the end, when they say, Mother, I have sinned, or Mother, we have sinned. Mm-hmm. And they have the, and car, the parts. car parts. It's great. Oh, my gosh. I so love it so much. They're hiding in the cemetery. Reverend Mother is helping them hide. She says they want to drive away, but she says that the borders have just closed. Right. So they have to cross the mountains, which you may have learned more about this, but I learned from the limited research I did that that's, geographically that makes zero sense. Yeah, and that's not how it happened. Yeah, if they had crossed the mountains, they would have crossed into Nazi Germany, yeah, apparently. That, yeah, did not happen. That's okay. Um, it's a fun ending. Uh, the captain is able to talk Rolf down just enough. Oh my gosh, until he finally, he does shout. And, and, but and that's, in that but scene... That's because because the captain had to say you were never gonna like he had to like throw in that last jab. I don't. I I don't put any of this on the captain. I think no. Rolf is just like a no good dummy eighteen year old. Well, yeah, and the captain says you're just trying like, to prove himself to someone, like as the captain saying more or less. <laughs> I, but I, I just it's all my notes. It says here comes dumb old Ralph. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh, my notes are just like, ugh, it's Ralph again. Um, and then I also remember thinking, like, hey, dummy, have fun explaining how your gun got stolen. Right. Because if I've watched any cop movie, I've learned they don't like it when, when you you're, lose your yeah, gun. Yeah, when you lose your gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not fans of that. Have fun with that, Ralph. So they escape un- over the mountains and fast. Yeah, that's it's basically over. it. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, um, I think this is going to be a segment that we continue to do. Ooh la la. Because um, I guess this podcast about movie musicals is going to have a lot of references to The Sound of Music. Yeah. It's called The Hills Are Alive. Uh-huh. And this segment is called My Favorite Things. Oh, fun. So I want to know what your top five favorite things are from okay, the Okay, just generally favorite things, no real categories involved. Right. First of all, singing nuns. Singing nuns. I love them. In any context, you just love singing nuns. Pretty much. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I heard a group of singing nuns and thought like, ew, that's awful. Mm -hmm. I always love it. It's Mm -hmm. always beautiful. Sister Act. Les Mis. Les Mis. Are there... Are there groups of singing nuns in there? I mean, you don't see them, at least not in the movie. Uh We'll talk about it in that episode. (laughs) But yes, no, there is a song of singing nuns, and it's just, it's really gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not sound 
that beautiful when you're that devout and singing mm-hmm. in a cathedral. Repressed Gretel. sexuality leads to a multitude of things. <laughs> okay, Gretel. <laughs> Gretel is uh, my second favorite thing because she is the best child. Gretel in general. Yeah, no, yeah. Gretel's the best kid. Yeah, for She's sure. She's adorable. Now, that being said, Kurt's goodbye. And... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you do that again? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Kurt's goodbye is great. Um, Julie Andrews' wedding dress, oh, of mm-hmm. course, is one of my favorites. And and what is that? I think that's four. I I don't know that I came up with a fifth, but if I had to... Right now, I would say, I would say the Baroness because she deserves it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love How about her. you? Give me your top five um, favorite things. These are mostly moments that I chose, and I guess they're mostly things that we've talked about. No, already. I like it. Go ahead. So mine is more of a countdown. Number five, I've got. It's been so cold lately. They turned blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, that scene is just like. Uh, it's so silly. It's stupid. It's so silly. Like, the scene prior to the captain is obviously lying to them. Um, they ask him, what happened to Maria? And he's trying to explain, oh, she left a note, MBD. Yeah. He's trying to act like he doesn't care, but it's very obvious that he he's cares. lying. And it's obvious, like... But, like, he's his, doing it also, in a way where his delivery is, is I think, like, really talented for an actor. Like, he's an actor being a bad liar. Right. And but I don't think it's children, a coincidence that he, I don't think it's a coincidence that he proposed immediately after Maria left. Right. But with the children, like, they're just bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> like his, but just they his, don't sell His it. face after he says it is hilarious. <laughs> um, number four, I've got... Liesl throwing the ball at the Baroness. Yeah, that is funny. Number three uh, is that the wedding song is How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria. (laughs) I know. I mean, (laughs) the message is really bad there. This is just favorite and not not in a way that I love it, in a way that it's really funny to me. Well, I also wonder, though, is that not... (sighs) Maybe the best way of looking at it is that's the nuns giving away Maria. Right. She doesn't have a, a dad for some unknown reason right. to walk her down the aisle. It's their way of being involved in the And also the, the nuns have to be behind the gates for some reason. <laughs> we got to keep the nuns in the cages. They can sing this one song to themselves, I assume. Mm-hmm. Number two is the Jam and Bread remix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty inexplicable. Jam, jam and Bread. They go into like this madrigal version. So much jam and bread. Uh-huh. They just, you know what? They love jam and bread. Love it. I mean, I do too. And my number one is sisters Margareta and Berta. Really? Stealing the car parts. Yeah. Yeah. The stealing of the car parts is, I mean, it's hard not to just exclaim like, yes, nuns, when you watch that scene. Right. Just, I just hope that they aren't punished for it in any way. They're going to but... have to kiss the ground. <laughs> Oh, right. That's a, that was another one of my favorite comedic moments from Julie Andrews in this movie was when she said that Berta always made her kiss the floor for some, when she was doing something bad. And so she had just taken to kissing the floor when she saw her coming. Yeah, that sounds... I don't... Yeah, I don't know what it's like to be a nun, but that sounds, like, awful. Right? 
Um, I had some honorable men- honorable mentions. The beautiful nun song at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So one of mine was singing nuns as well. Yeah. And then the other one was the anticipation of the opening, just because yeah, of like just, just how it makes me how it made me feel as a kid. Yeah. But I have a little bit of I just want to get into a little bit of the history of the real von Trapp family, if you yeah, don't mind. Yeah, I'm very interested. So he was 25 years her senior, the real Georg von Trapp. Okay. Oh, by the way. Uh, in the movie, I don't know what their ages were supposed to be, mm-hmm. but in filming, she was 30, he was 35. Oh. I think he looks older than he 35, does. but not in a bad way. So they met in 1926, um, and he was born in 1880, and she was born in, 19, in 1905. So she was 21, and he was 45. Wow. Yeah, his wife Agatha had died in 1922, and she was uh, hired. In, uh, Maria was hired in 1926 to be the tutor of their daughter, who was also named Maria. Well, and they had many more children than seven, right? They had three. They had seven when she was hired. Okay. And they had three together. Oh, okay, so ten total, ten but total. three were with Maria. Right. Got it. So she was ti- she was hired as a tutor for. Maria, the ch- the daughter Maria, who had had, who was convalescing from scarlet fever, and then she ended up being the teacher to all of them. But they married in 1927, which was just a year later. Hmm. Um, but the but the children. I mean, that timeline does kind of track. I mean, it, but it was like. But it was later 12 on, years, much 12 later years, on, yeah, or, or later on in the movie. Eleven years. They had been married for eleven years already when they fled. Got it. Um, but the the children from oldest to youngest are Rupert, Agatha, Maria, Werner, Hedwig, <laughs> Johanna, and Martina. I wonder why they uh, changed the names. I don't know to make them sound more like traditionally Austrian or something. I don't know. Yeah. But the kids that they had together were Rosemary, Eleanor, and Johannes. So they had Johanna. And Johannes. But they started performing in 1935 uh, until Austria was annexed in 1938. Um, so the captain was not that anti-singing in public. No, IRL. no. He, in real life, he was actually, he was very into it. He, he didn't ever, like, stop being interested in music. I thought it was an odd quirk. Right. Um, but apparently, this is a fun fact, apparently right before they fled, they had run into, they were touring and stuff, and they had ran into Hitler. They were they toured to they were had a performance in Munich and apparently ran into Hitler at a restaurant in 1938, right before they fled. So in June of that year they traveled to Italy and then to England and by September they were on a ship to the U.S. Uh, where Johannes was born in Philadelphia in 1939. He's the youngest. Oh wow! So the youngest was actually an a, American a born, citizen, a born American citizen, <laughs> and they were all uh, naturalized by 1942. But this is another really interesting fact, that um, when they abandoned their home, it became the headquarters for Heinrich Himmler. I Okay, so that I did learn about. That's in, um, that is in her memoir, and she, she talks about how she never visited the real estate during filming. Mm-hmm. Um, they just didn't have enough time, but that she did return back there, I, I want to say with Diane Sawyer, if not with her, some other, you know late or not late night but uh nighttime news mm-hmm. host 
and uh, for an anniversary because they do you know the 10th the 20th the 30th well, the 40th, in, the 50th in, she talks about visiting the real house for the first time and just feeling that sense of evil yeah because she knew it wasn't just that it turned into like one of their headquarters basically but there were some pretty brutal deaths that that took place on those grounds and she said that you could just feel it like i mean there were actual moments where uh, apparently it's been documented documented that the guy that was running the estate would like shoot people from that balcony jesus yeah and and she said you could just you know sense that terror yeah on the grounds i mean i wouldn't want to go back to heinrich himmler's headquarters yeah that's more or less what she said (laughs) um so but actually there's i think it's from 1986 or 1987 there is a special that like a tv special that julie andrews did called uh, julie andrews christmas in salzburg Mm. and it is on uh youtube and she's like just running around Salzburg singing Christmas songs. John Denver is in it. Placido Domingo <laughs> is in it. It's amazing. That's okay. really funny. Um, so, so the family did not secretly escape over the Alps to freedom in Switzerland, carrying their suitcases as musical instruments. As the daughter Maria said in two thousand in a two thousand three interview printed in Opera News, we did not tell people that we were going to america to sing and we did not climb over mountains with all of our heavy suitcases and instruments we left by train pretending nothing yeah that makes a lot more sense um and they were yeah they were traveling to italy not switzerland um actually georg uh was born in i don't know how to pronounce zadar or zadar which is now in present-day croatia but it was at the time part of the austro-hungarian empire um, and it became part of Italy in 1920, and Georg was thus an Italian citizen, and his wife and children were as well by proxy. All ten of them, huh? Or eleven, technically. Um, so the family had a con- uh, the family had a contract already in place with an American booking agent uh, when they left Austria, so they were allowed to leave. So uh, when they moved, they came to Vermont. Uh, they ran a music camp on the grounds that they had purchased in Vermont starting in the early 40s uh, while they continued to tour. And then Georg died in 1947, and they opened the Trap Family Lodge in 1950. And then they stopped touring in 1955. Um, so this is kind of uh, where they all ended up. In 1956, Maria, Johannes, Rosemary, and the daughter Maria went to New Guinea to do missionary work. They were very religious people. One of the reasons that they left, actually, because there were, like, the Nazis were, like, having, like, abortion mandates and stuff. Where, mm. um, making people get abortions in there. Another Scientology thing. Right. Exactly. So later on, uh, Maria, the mother, ran the Trap Family Lodge. Um, of the children, Rupert was a medical doctor. Agatha was a kindergarten teacher. In Maryland, uh, daughter Maria was a missionary in New Guinea for 30 years. Werner was a farmer. Hedvig taught music. Johanna moved, uh, married, and eventually returned to live in Austria. Martina married and died in childbirth very young. Hmm. Um, Rosemary and Eleanor both settled in Vermont. And Johannes, the youngest, ended up managing the Trap Family Lodge. Uh, Maria died in 1987 and was buried alongside Georg and Martina on the grounds of the Trap Family Lodge, which is still there. Uh-huh. Um, the original lodge was 27 rooms on the family's land, but it was destroyed by a fire 
1980, forcing 45 people to flee, including Maria. Uh, there was uh, the body of one guest was found in the rubble, so one person died. Oh, yikes. Um, but a new Austrian-style lodge with 93 rooms was opened in 19 1983, and it's still open till this day. Hmm. So we should go. Yeah, we should go. Mm-hmm. We should definitely go. Um, but the last of the original seven stepchildren died in 2014, and that was Maria, the one that, or- that Maria had originally Aww. taught um, at the age of 99. Um, but uh, Maria and Gay, the the, re- the children that Maria and Georg had together are all still alive. Oh, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my historical tidbits. Yeah, fun historical facts. <laughs> I love that. Um, so uh, it's also sort of historical, and this involves the real Maria. Julie Andrews used to have a show. Well, she did two shows. She did one that was, it was like a variety hour. I think it was just a one-time special. Mm -hmm. But that was with Carol Burnett. She and Carol Burnett actually became very close friends. I've seen a clip from this. There's Yes. Yeah. And I I mean, that's just like, that's a Hollywood celebrity friendship that I could never get enough of. There's also a clip from from Julie Andrews' variety show of her and um, Angela Lansbury doing a duet together. Oh, wait, what does that have to do with Sound of Music? Because it's Julie Andrews. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure she did a lot of clips with other people. Right. But she does one with uh, Carol Burnett during their personal variety hour, Uh where they're actually making fun of the Von Trapp family singers. The real Von Trapp family? Because they were very popular. It, I, I don't know that they were so much making fun of the Von Trapps as they were The Sound of Music, the musical. Because mm-hmm. at first, Julie Andrews was not a fan. She, she like the critics, when the movie came out, thought it was way too sentimental. Mm-hmm. And um, the edits that were done to the movie made it less sentimental, enough for her to do it. The same thing with Christopher Plummer. Right. Um, but apparently it wasn't made less sentimental enough for the critics. Right. Um, but I always thought that was really interesting, the fact that she and Carol Burnett parodied The Sound of Music before she actually got cast. And then... Um, oh, this was before. Yeah, this was before she <laughs> got cast funny. in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, uh, another interesting thing was Julie Andrews did... I think this was actually a TV show that she did. Now, how long it lasted, I don't know. But I think it was the Julie Andrews Variety Hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she had on the real Maria Von Trapp to more or less teach her how to yodel. Because that was the one thing that she says she never really quite nailed. Well, I really enjoyed talking about this with you, Kelsey. Do you have anything else? Um, to add anything else that you want to talk about? Well, I do, oh, okay. actually. Oh, yeah, tell me. Oh, yeah, you had notes about filming and stuff, right? No, I had notes about recasting. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah, let's talk about this. So this is a segment that we also want to talk. We'll probably return to every episode. I hope so. Yeah. Okay, so recasting. If you were to recast the movie today. So I have always thought that... And this was before the movie Les Mis ever came out. <laughs> I always said, like, you know, so there was this big... So when um, Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway hosted the Oscars together... They didn't. 
They didn't. They just no. they just had a song together at the, or something. I'm pretty sure Anne Hathaway hosted with James Franco. Oh right, right, right. She did. Okay. Anyway, I've always thought that Hugh Jackman that they would make a great couple. That they would be good in this uh, in this musical. With Hugh Jackman no, I completely as agree. the captain and Anne Hathaway as I think Hugh Jackman Maria. would be a perfect captain. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. You know how I feel about Anne Hathaway. How do you feel about it? Not great. <laughs> it's me, Anne Hathaway. It finally came true. It came true. <laughs> um that being said, I don't have I don't have my I didn't recast any children. I don't have any Maria suggestions. Other than Anne Hathaway. I'm not saying she'd be bad for it. I think you're probably right, but I'm not going to recommend it. I mean, she's the only one that I, like, she has that kind of... She doesn't have, obviously, as much charisma as Julie Andrews. Wait, you're saying that the Carrie Underwood production <laughs> that was, didn't do it for you? That was a strange choice. I did watch, I, oh or my I God. attempted... Um, the, with Bill... Or not Bill, but with um, Bill from True Blood. Yeah, what's his name? What Stephen Moyer. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Mm. It wasn't very. And good. Audra McDonald was the Reverend Mother. Oh, right, because I mean, you have to have someone that can sing that song, which I is know, difficult. But also, like Audra, come on. Yeah, that was bad. Okay, so here's what I wrote down for recasting. Uh huh. The only one I feel super confident about is Baroness Elizabeth Banks. Ooh. Right? Good. That's a good one. Yeah, I didn't write anything down for this because I had just, I don't know, I assumed that we would just discuss it. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, I think, yeah, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks, Banks as is, the Baroness is... Oh, that is, that is great casting. I, I feel like we could still do it today with Anne Hathaway. Right. Um, Hugh Jackman and Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. They're a little bit old for it, but I, I feel know, like that's fine. I know, we needed to start tomorrow. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with their ages now, I think. Um, well, and that's the thing with recasting, is I think we get some leeway to do, like, total fantasy casting. Okay. Because that leads me into my second recasting, which eh, is iffy. Mm-hmm. The only one I can imagine is, I think is. It's Daniel, I think, Brule, 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 circa Gossip Girl. Who is that? <laughs> um, he is like a prince or something that gets engaged to Blair. Oh, I, wa- I watched Gossip Girl. He's in a lot of other stuff, though. Okay. Okay. That's just the one I've identified with. I don't know. <laughs> like, he's in a big, uh, uh, he's in uh, Captain America Civil War. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I know you haven't seen that. No, you're big into the MCU, though. I love the MCU. Uh, um, okay, my last suggestion, I have two for the captain. Mm-hmm. First one, I don't know if he can sing, but Michael Fassbender. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I can you see can that. see it, right? Yeah, I can see that. And then second one... I didn't get this until the end where he's very, very charming at the gazebo. Mm-hmm. But in that scene, I could really see Ewan McGregor pulling it off. Yeah. But at the front of the could, movie, I, don't, I know, I, don't know I know, if he could, pull I don't know off if the he could be thing. that. Yeah, I agree. You know who would be a good captain is uh, Army Hammer. Mm, yes. I also yes. make those noise when I hear noises when I hear his <laughs> 
No, I agree. And on that note, why not uh, Henry Cavill? Ooh. Yeah. Did you watch Enola Holmes? Yes, I did. (laughs) Henry Cavill could spit in my face and I would like it. (laughs) There's something about that sexy older brother. Oh, Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, he would be good, a good captain as well. What about Liesl? I don't really know a lot of like. I don't know. I just say Zendaya. That's what I was about to say. (laughs) She's a singer. She's she's not really the right age anymore, but I will let it slide. Well, I mean, the real, not the real, was 22. Yeah. 21 or 22 when she filmed it. Yeah, Zendaya. I'm into it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. It's always Zendaya. Mm hmm. Yeah. And we have to find a role for Timothy Chalamet as well. Um, could he be? Could he do Rolf? Could he? You could. I mean, he I, might be too good for Rolf. I mean, I think he could pull it off. I mean, he's a really good actor. I'm just saying, I, I yeah, no, I love Timothy Chalamet. I don't want him to be to be bad. I don't want him to be burdened with the role of a Nazi. <laughs> And you could bleach his hair. I mean, everyone's doing the quarantine bleach. Oh, but that'd be awful. (laughs) He has such beautiful hair. I honestly just don't... I haven't really been on the Timothy Chalamet train. You need to get on board. I just... Maybe it's just like he's not my type. Like the real real skinny, wafy boy. But... Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> no, I hear you. I like hear that. you. I hear you. I mean, it's I'm not much... about finding him attractive. Like, I'm 32. For the record, I don't. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's just an angel. Uh-huh. I think that he's such a talented angel. Mm-hmm. I just want to, like, give him blue ribbons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's just... I, I really love him. I'm so proud of him. Right. I look at him and I say, good for you. <laughs> look at you. Look at you. Look what you did. You know what? He did a really good um, what's-his-name in Little Women. God bless what's-his-name. Lori. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought that anyone could outdo Christian Bale if as this Lori. Is... And he didn't, but he came close. He didn't. Christian Bale was obviously superior. Christian Bale will always be Lori. Yes. Bite oh. me about it. Ugh. And sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if I this think... is a made-for-Netflix reproduction of Sound of Music, then we'll have to put Noah Centineo in it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> As and... Friedrich. But you know what? I'm so sorry, Carrie Underwood. We're still going to go ahead and give Anne Hathaway a call. Yeah. Yeah. Give... She's not an actress. I don't think she ever claimed to be an actress. She just sings so loudly. Yeah, she can't do that. She's just a belter. Mm. And that's not what... Good? On a Carrie Underwood single? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love Carrie Underwood. Yeah. It's not just for Maria. Not, yeah, it's no. not for Maria. No. Do you know what was really bad? <laughs> <laughs> what? The the live TV Peter Pan with uh, Allison. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I know. We're going to... We will discuss that we'll, further. We'll get there. We may, yeah. Maybe if we do a, a Disney episode or something. We will. Yeah. Thank you so much for thank our you. first inaugural episode of The Hills Are Alive with a Alex. Movie, yeah, a movie musical podcast. A movie with and Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> We've really enjoyed doing this. Hopefully this got you hooked. I know it's a yeah. little bit on the long side, but 
hopefully you know it's a you long movie falling asleep to it yeah hopefully our our yeah. lovely voices l- lulled you into a stupor if you're still listening at this point we love you we love you goodbye Bye. see you next time get out of here we're done